turn up your radio, it's time for DeLorean Talk with your host, Dave Tavers. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of DeLorean Talk. This is Dave Tavers, VIN 10515, talking to you from sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, but if you happen to uh, be visiting Vegas, feel free to send a message. I always love meeting DeLorean owners from around the world, and Las Vegas is a good place to connect up with people. So don't be shy, um, reach out and, and say hi and let me know if I should drive the DeLorean or just meet you someplace for a soda or lunch or whatever. I appreciate everybody tuning in, and I do love doing this. It's just uh, timing to get everybody coordinated, and sometimes you get lucky and things work out. And uh, thankfully today I've got someone else that I uh, actually have seen a little bit on message boards and social media, but really have had no no connection with until the other day when I had TV show running and sure enough there comes the episode of American Dad where they featured the DeLorean and I suddenly flashed back and went oh yeah wait a second that you know that they that was about a guy who worked on the show who had a DeLorean I, I don't know that I've ever read a full accounting but today we have Sean Kirkhoff joining on the show hey Sean hey how you doing great so first we'll get in some of the just basic stuff and then we can go in and, and you can share that story. And I'm sure you have plenty of other stories, but you are in Los Angeles. You've been there for a few years. I've actually been here my whole life, as a matter of fact. Oh, right on. I was born and raised in L.A. as well. It, it was definitely a change to move to Vegas, but uh, it was time. Understood. Um, in fact, I literally doubled the mileage moving from L.A. to Vegas it was uh, about almost 16,000 miles in the car, and now there's 32,000. So oh, in three wow. and a half years, I doubled doubled my mileage. Very cool. I had asked you about being on the show, and then I think then I read that you actually don't have your DeLorean anymore. That's correct. How, what, uh, how did you first decide to buy your car? When did you buy it? And what's the story of getting rid of it? Well... It had always been a dream of mine, actually, uh, you know, a typical story. But prior to Back to the Future, I was a fan of it. My mom had somehow brought home a brochure, that, that old school black uh, DeLorean brochure booklet, maybe, you know, about eight and a half by 11 size. And uh, it, uh, it intrigued me. It just looked really cool. And I thought that's a very cool car. And sure, I'd love to have one someday. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, when the movie came out, it was, you know, iconic at that point and um i was a fan of that <laughs> i can remember seeing the movie sharing a seat because they oversold the theater back in the day uh as a kid to see that 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 movie when i was about 10 or 11 years old so um obviously i had a phantom for the car just in its beauty on its own and then of course the movie being a movie guy that i am and always been in, in, the, in around the movie business and interested in movies uh you know it was it's kind of sealed the deal so someday i figured yeah you know i'll have the money to do it well one day uh, I was, you know, at work and I was interested in, in, in the car and I work, you know, work in sound and I realized just I thought to myself, nothing to do with the job, you know, I can afford this. It's not, can't buy it outright. I'm going to go into some debt, but I can handle it. So why not? Let's do this. So I started. And it's looking. not a Ferrari. It's not a Ferrari. No, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> more iconic and, and people will ask questions more than a Ferrari. But it's oh, yeah. definitely, it's not a Ferrari, <laughs> but it is a, cr yeah, a cool yeah. car. So that, that's how I initially like came to think of it. And I started looking for the car 
and uh, finding one, and I, 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 I looked towards eBay. I don't know why. I just thought maybe I can get a good deal on there. Maybe I can find the right car. So that's where I went. I can go into more of that, but I, that's the basic. Uh, and that was around mid-2007. Uh, how long were, had you, when you finally decided you were going to buy one, how long did you look before you actually found your car? That's a good question. I believe it was a couple months total time. Yeah, and it was an auction. So I waited for the right auction to purchase or to, to bid on. Um, and I actually did videotape um, somewhere. I have the video, I think uh, on a mini DV cam videotape, me actually on my computer. In fact, uh, believe it or not, the same computer I'm still recording this on. That's how, <laughs> it's how old it is, but it still operates enough to do the recording. Uh, it's an old <laughs> Mac G4. And I was on eBay at my friend's place, actually. I had crashed at his place. I opened my computer. And I knew the auction was ending. And I just started videoing. And I said, what the heck? You know, if I win it, it's going to make a cool video. You know, about, yeah. uh, winning a DeLorean auction on eBay. And um, I, I actually sniped it, if you know that term from uh, auctioning on <laughs> oh, eBay. Yeah. I totally sniped. Tell people were, that don't know. Yeah, well, for people who don't know, sniping is is uh, either setting up an automated bidding program to submit your highest bid at the last possible second to hopefully outbid someone else uh, or other people that are bidding on it, or you do it manually. Uh, I think I did it manually at this point. I, I did know of some other programs, but I think I literally just did it manually. I uh, had a strong enough internet connection and hit that that uh, submit button or bid button right at the last <laughs> second. And these guys were going back and forth. I set my limit for this particular car, completely unrenovated, completely unupgraded. Just it had basically been the same it was since it came off the factory floor. It didn't even have the the door guides or anything. Um, and I bid the wow. maximum I was going to pay was fifteen, and I put that in. And it went for $14,090. And I outbid the guys that have been going back and forth for like a week on it or whatever. And and oh. uh, they were pissed. Uh, they were really pissed. And I heard they actually <laughs> contacted the owner who was up in Idaho and tried to like, you know, if he doesn't come through, I'll, I'll take it. I'll get it. You know, they were really angry. And, you know, I know I played <laughs> sneaky, but hey, this is business. You know, you got to find a way to get what you need for the price you can get it well, for. So, so that's how I did and it. And that, hey, you didn't. You didn't do anything wrong. That's the way the system works. Yeah, he was just mad because <laughs> I came out of nowhere yeah. with no bids and. <laughs> but right, that's, yeah. Yep. So that's how I did it, and uh, that's how I got the car. It was only a couple of months, so uh, pr- being a fan is one thing. But when you finally made that choice, okay, I'm going to buy a DeLorean. Um, how how much you, like? How much did you research? How much did you know what the right car was? What the right dollar amount was? Or did it not matter? You just, I mean, this is 2007, so that's, you know, 12 years ago now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it it mattered how much, obviously. I didn't want to go crazy, and I knew I'd have to put money into it. I figured at a minimum double what I was paying for the car, and that's the rule I've heard uh, from DeLorean, uh, you know, is like, you know, the guys at DeLorean always said, like, at least double just to get it up to, like, you know, up to snuff of whatever you pay for. And I, and then, of course, I... I went a lot more than that. I won't say exactly how much yet, but uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was a lot, and I, I made it made it my own, you know, and 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 with the help of uh, of uh, people at DeLorean specifically, Danny uh, Botkin and um, uh, Don Steiger at DeLorean, I, I definitely you know with their guidance and their expertise and their creativity, made the interior of it very much unique, one of a kind, at least for the time, and I loved it. Um, wow. I'll get into that some more. Yeah, that's that's how it came to be and, and progressed over time as I had the money to, uh, you know, uh, improve it. 
but sure. it was it was it was fun. It was a fun experience. Other than DeLorean Motor Center, uh, that Don Steiger owned in Garden Grove at the time, did you know anybody that had a DeLorean, or were, were you just doing your own research and and figuring things out? I didn't actually know anybody at the time. I don't believe I might have seen a few, maybe, and talked to couple owners i don't recall knowing anybody i did contact danny as i recall well contact the shop in advance of getting the car for i think i did for some advice i don't recall the details of that because i ultimately brought it right to him when we got it back um the, the getting the it back thing. was yeah. an experience <laughs> yeah i mean the getting it back was an experience in itself you know because i had to go to go to idaho but it was it was yeah. fun it was fun you bought i mean this is 12 years ago which I mean, that's a fair amount of time, 2007. So you bought a car more or less sight unseen. You saw some pictures, but uh, I doubt that there were 150 photos. So no, you no, know, there no. could have been some rust underneath. It could have been all, you know, other things. Did it need a lot of work, meaning that there were problems, or had the car just sat for 10 or 20 years? Well, the beauty of it was, the, the, you know, there's the good and the bad of this statement I'm about to make. And the, the, the good is it had only 6,000 miles on it. <laughs> and the bad is it had only 6,000 miles on it. Yeah. So you know yeah. what a 30, well, not quite 30 at that point, uh, you know, 26-year-old car, is that right? 1981, yeah, 2007, 26-year-old car. So it it had issues in that it hadn't been well taken care of. But the guy that I bought it from um, was a car collector. He had never done the work that he wanted to on this car, and uh. he kind of just got tired of the idea of it, and he, got, he wanted to get rid of it. But he did make it roadworthy because he knew that I was going to be driving it back 1,200 miles from Idaho. Oh, when we you're, got there, you're another one of those crazy people. No, no. I'm one of those guys. I mean, I do look into things, but I also sometimes take a leap of faith with stuff. And since this was a dream, yeah. and I knew I'd be putting money into anyways, and I have, like, wow. top AAA towing coverage, I figured I'd be okay <laughs> right. Like for, for it. And what I did was, well, I didn't do it. My friend, my colleague at work was so excited that I was doing this because he's also a Back to the Future fan. And he said, you know what, nice. if you get this, I'm going with you. Well, the day That's I won, awesome. it happened to be his, his birthday. And I was meeting the, up with his buddies for his birthday. So I said, how, how can I break this to him in a surprising way <laughs> and then kind of <laughs> tie it in with his birthday? So I thought of this. I went out to the grocery store. It sounds crazy, but I just did it. It came, came to me. And I bought one potato and i put it in a sack and i took it to his party and i handed it to him and i said this is for you and he opens it up and he's like this is a potato what the hell is this and his buddy says you got the car because he knew it was going to be in idaho and his buddy knew what i was going to do <laughs> and then my and then my friend lost his mind he lost his mind and he said you got it and yeah, yeah yeah and then i said well are you coming with me like you said and of course he turned to his better half and she's like you can go <laughs> so on on a weekend, we, we, I, I paid for his ticket, and we flew, you know, uh, connecting flight uh, from, uh, to L.A. to Arizona, and then Arizona to, um, it was actually Spokane, Washington, which was about 20 miles from this guy's place in Idaho. And uh, he picked us up, the guy, and took us back to his place. Anyways, oh. this, this guy was cool, and he, and he, you know, he went over with me, says I had to change the oil. I checked as best I could to make it safe to drive, at least, and, and, and he was nice sure. enough. He didn't charge me for any of that. And, uh, you wow. know, we, we, that was a four, by the time we got out of that, his place in Idaho, four o'clock on a Saturday, and we had to get 1200 miles before work on Monday because we had to be in a work. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, we took shifts and drove and then had to crash at a random hotel we found and then got back like about 2 a.m. on Monday morning and, um, 
we promised one of the writers um, at at Fox, where I worked on American Dad, that we, he was also a humongous Back to the Future fan, and he ended up co-writing the episode, the show. Uh, he We promised nice. him we'd show it to him right when we got back. So we went to his apartment at 2 in the morning and showed it to him. <laughs> it is interesting that for 15K, again, in 2007, you got a car that, whether or not he made it roadworthy, that, that's pretty great if you could drive that car the whole way. Well, or now are you going to tell me the story about the breakdowns? Well, I'll tell you this. This it, it never stopped us for for very long. There were two incidents where uh, things happened. One time, it just wouldn't start again after we stopped. I think that was in. Um, I remember it being right below the right at the base of Mount Shasta. Well, about about uh, yeah, right about there, and it just wouldn't start again. I had a portable jumper that I was able to to hook it up to, and it started right up after that. So I think maybe the alternator was getting bad or. The battery itself oh. was weak. I don't know, but it started up. There was one other incident where it it started to overheat, and we never did quite figure out what that is. We just let it cool down and restarted it, and it was fine. So those are the only two incidents, huh. and they didn't delay us very long. You know, so wow, that was it. Getting back now, once it was back, and you know they had a chance to look at it, uh, <laughs> Danny and Don and and whoever, for, by their standards, it was it needed. A, a big overhaul. Yeah. <laughs> so right, so, of yeah. course, of course. And you know, I got everything done to it that needed to be upgraded, the door guides and the wiring and this and that, whatever they thought. I trusted them fully to do that. Um, yeah. And this is, of course, one of the well, gas hood, uh, gas flap hoods, which I actually wanted. I did not want to have to lift my hood every time I filled the gas, so I just wanted that <laughs> flap. Uh, so that was one of my priorities. So that meant that I had to specific, you know, model year. <laughs> For me, it was. DeLorean, cool, you know, gotta have, <laughs> right. you know, this is a dream. Right. So, you know, I wasn't going to yeah. have only that car, but I did ultimately use it as half the time it was my daily driver. But so awesome. that was, that was a journey getting it back. There is a little more to tell about the connection to the people at the show uh, and how that came to be in terms of the car. It actually started prior to me getting the car in the process of looking for the car. I happened to come across a door. And this door was cool, and there was a producer on the show at the time who who heard hold me. Hold on, Sean. Yeah, go ahead. Let's take a just a step back for a second because I think that you're an actor as well as an audio tech. But tell people what you do and what your that background is, and how you you know what the deal is with American Dad. Oh, sure, no problem. Of course, that makes sense to tell that first. I. I started out as a kid doing some, you know, quote unquote acting and I did, you know, a few commercials and extra work and whatnot. And that was fun. But I knew probably about age 12, I decided, yeah, I don't think I want to be in front of the camera. I would like to be behind it. I knew I wanted to be in the business. So, you know, years go by in high school. I worked in like stage crew at school. They didn't really have a radio, TV or film program or anything like that. But I did that. And then I got out of school and I ended up going to junior college and uh, studying um, uh, film and radio and TV. And I f discovered sound at like we had to put it together, some animal sounds. So I had to collect that from these old albums. They had these old record albums. I started listening to these sound effects. And I thought, this is really cool. And I thought, hmm. maybe I should look into this. And then I did. This is circa 93. That's how I got into sound. And then once I was there, it was off. You know, I was off and running. I did as much sound work as I could. And when I sure. when I got out of the business, I got an, I got you know I was internships at school, internships after school, and I finally ended up uh, getting the job at Fox um, for you know lasted seven years while I was there. And 
very early on, I was, you know, very involved with sound, recording the actors' voices for the uh, uh, for the show, meeting all these great people that came in to record. For the small percentage of people who don't know, American Dad is a animated adult show, not a, you know, it's not a kids' cartoon, but um, it's it's animated, so it's all audio recording. You're not there's no filming at all in in the show, really. Correct. Yeah. In fact, most animation is always done to the sound. So what they do is they record all the right. lines individually like one at a time without other actors usually in the room most of the time. And then that that's what we did. And we create these radio plays and then the animators would then work off of that radio play to create the animation. So what we do determines the pace and the comedy timing and, and, and the mood of the show and using spaces and gaps in between the words. So that's, that's the job. And it was very fun, very creative. The producers let me have a very close hands-on uh, involvement asked my opinion you know most of the time i'd say at least half of the audio decisions that were made in the show in terms of editing at least not necessarily recording the directing the actors but re- editing the choices of takes ha- i had an input on so it was very very much like to be a part of something big and cool so i really enjoyed that yeah. and um and the people were very nice and and offering and then what eventually led to this is that, like I mentioned, I, uh, that door, <laughs> I was looking it up and I happened to tell some guys at the office, including the writer that ultimately wrote the episode. And the, this producer heard me. He's like, that door. He's like, wait a second. I have an idea. First, we're going to get you that door. And then we looked online and the door said, pick up only in Philadelphia. So we're like, well, <laughs> we're not going to Philadelphia, but that kind of inspired this episode. So the, the producer and the writers kind of like went back and forth on ideas and like, okay, what if we have Stan looking for this elusive door? And then, you know, I won't go into all the details, but it went on from there. And that's how yeah. the episode kind of came to be. Meanwhile, I'm still looking for my car. I thought that was cool. Great. Yeah, yeah. Hey, gonna, maybe they'll put an episode out, but they come up with ideas all the time that don't happen. And they did. Sure. And they, they went forward with this. Obviously, um, you know, I knew and even they knew the door wasn't truly elusive, but that's not the point. It's It's, you know, in real life... In the show, it made for good story. So sure, yeah, so, it's a it's a TV show. Yeah, this was a very unique episode in of itself for our show because it happened that it was written, the script was written, and we got um we got got it going, but we didn't get any real recording done. And then boom, the writer's strike came, the writer's oh, strike, yeah. and then as a result of that, since a lot of our writers, including the main star Seth MacFarlane, are also actors they were in basically solidarity with the writers. So not only sure. could we not get the, the show going, we couldn't record the audio. They wouldn't come in. So what happened is they had this show. It was sitting there. It was 2000, September, October 2007, as I recall, when it got written. Usually our shows take about 10 months from writing to on the air or thereabouts. This one was going to take longer because of the strike. It ended up taking all the way, I think it was like, uh, March or April of 2009 before it even aired. So uh, we had to go ahead and start animating without sound and then match the animation later, which is a backwards way of doing <laughs> animation. Yeah. Uh, but they did it. Yeah. So the, the director happened to be a car guy of the episode and uh, he and I went down to DeLorean and he ended up getting um, you know a lot of information and photos and things that he could go off. Uh, got him a model of the car and everything he needed to like go ahead i just put myself in as kind of like more involved in this just because it was cool but sure one of the other aspects of it is that they surprised me like i got a copy of the script and i open it up and i'm in there and i'm like wait what (laughs) 
And they all wanted to like hire as many, you know, actors from Back to the Future, like the B actors. Well, they wanted to try and get some of yeah. the names. Uh, they were able to get several of them coming in to record for the show. Um, I got to record them as well, of course. But they wanted to cast, I'll pronounce his name wrong, but uh, Casey Samatsko, who actually played 3D, the guy with 3D glasses in Back to the yep. Future on Biff's Gang, to yep. play me. But the writers and one of the producers pushed for me to do it. And I had been a member of SAG as a kid, but I took an honorable withdrawal, I think it's the best term they use for it, uh, when I was a kid so that I <laughs> didn't, want, didn't want to pay the dues anymore. And I, I right. said, let me find out. Like, you know, the, the casting director was kind of like, no, no, we should hire, the, you know, all these other actors. And then we did hire some of them. But, <laughs> but they said, well, you know, if Sean wants to do it, he has to be in SAG. And I said, okay. SAG literally was across the street from my office on Wilshire Boulevard, Miracle Mile. <laughs> so I walked over. And they said, yeah, $57. You can, you can rejoin. I said, I couldn't hand that money over fast <laughs> enough. So I handed That's the money. That's awesome. Came back over and they said, okay. <laughs> so then they let me record the, the pieces for that that bit and um to this day i get tiny little checks from it <laughs> i i looked up a picture of you and they basically animated you as well oh I yeah mean, the, the character looks just like you so yeah i was so humbled by it it was like it was like oh my god they nailed how i look <laughs> and they you know they had me in the show so yeah right uh, great scott that door is mine! I've been looking for it for years! I don't know what you're talking about. My dad and I are just headed to Santa Fe to sell our unique collection of turquoise jewelry. You know, the Navajo believe the turquoise... Floor it, Dad! They ended up killing off my visual character in a later episode. There was an episode where they had a, um, basically a, a bus go over a cliff with all these random yeah. side characters. And I was... A hundred yeah. deaths in one episode, yeah. And they had me, like, scream as I was going down, like, uh, <laughs> re-record that later. So, yeah, that, 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 that was basically how they got rid of me in, that, in terms of an animation model later on. And uh, another writer that I was friends with did that as, as a joke to me. So I was like, okay. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it came to be. And when it finally did air, I had a party at my house. I uh, had about 60 people there. I set up multiple projection screens, and we had a big party. Got the I got uh, the actress that played Francine. She had always said she wanted to see my home theater system, and so she came to the party. And um, you know, it, it was fun. So it was a, it was it was a great experience, and you know, an honor. And I did get to do the DVD extra uh, commentary when they did it. Um, oh wow! But, yeah, while recording. <laughs> Haven't listened to that. Yeah, Very cool. So the, the episode came out April nineteenth, two thousand nine. That sounds about right. <laughs> By that, that's what IMDb says, assuming okay. it's correct. By yeah, that time, you'd had the car at that point around two years. Granted, this took a long time to get the the TV show done, but you'd had the car getting worked on by Don and Danny. Yeah. Um, you've been driving it. Yes. Um, did you get to? Were you part of the community at that point? Did you know many, many other owners? Were you doing any kind of car shows or parades or anything? Yes, I started doing that. Um, I can't remember when I really got going with that, but I had it from 2007 to 2012. Um, yeah. Yeah. I definitely was involved with the community as much as I was able time-wise. I mean, one thing about my job was I could afford more because I was getting paid well, and I never never took that for granted, but I didn't have a lot of time other than weekends. Um, oh, and, sure. and even then, yeah. I didn't have time all the time. So it was one of those things where I tried to take advantage of as much time as I had and didn't get really any yeah. serious vacations until um, a couple of years later 
where I, I forced myself and kind of forced them to let me take an actual vacation. But yeah, I mean, it was, that was kind of one of the things when I got the job, I had to be available all the time. So you don't yeah. get opportunities like that very often. And there's no. a thousand P or 10,000 people that want the job. So you, you know, you don't, you tend to not screw that up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, no I, that's I, the industry. That's the industry. And I, I definitely was thankful because I had lived, you know, I'd had pretty steady work all my career up until then. But at the same time, I know Oscar winners. I knew Oscar winners that were out of work for over a year or two years, some cases. So it's not like it can't happen. Right. But anyways, so I was thankful for that. It's not, don't, don't get me wrong. I was very grateful, but, uh, well, it's, I mean, most people, you know, most people have regular jobs. Um, so, you know, they usually have more time to do the, to do the other fun stuff. So uh, there's no, no judgment here at all. It's just a, Interesting, trying to figure out how how your DeLorean ownership fit into the rest of the community. There's people that buy the DeLorean and just don't want to be involved at all, um, whether they travel or they're busy or they have family or whatever, and they don't do anything. So I'm, I'm curious what kind of stuff you did. The fact that you went to DCS, even though it was Vegas, is not that far from L.A., you know, that's great because I know other, I know a lot of owners that have never been to any of the DCSs. They've never been to anything, but they're still part of the community. So I'm curious how that plays in what you did. Well, once I was involved with, you know, them at the shop and Danny and, and Don, I got to hear about things going on and everything. And I remember there was one occasion where these uh, guys were doing for like a Doctor Who convention. They were doing some sort of a parody video where timeline had changed. And in this alternate timeline in present day, the DeLorean had succeeded hugely and it became this major success and they were everywhere. So they invited a bunch of DeLorean guys to show up and go to iconic locations around L.A., park the cars, oh, wow. and make it look like, oh, there's just a bunch of DeLoreans in the parking lot because that's a normal thing in this world. So we did that. And um, at the time of that, I met this guy um, uh, who was a big DeLorean Back to the Future guy. And he got his car about a month after me. No, actually, I think he got it a month before me. But what I did, I failed to mention this, is... I secured, <laughs> it's just luck, it really is. I secured the last sensical, if you will, variation on the movie license plate. I got, since there's only seven characters, as we all know, in the California license plate, and the movie had eight, because it's a movie, uh, I got out, O-U-T-O-T-M-E. That was as close as oh, I could wow. get to out a time, and I got out O-T-M-E. Right. And he was upset. Uh, I'm not going to say who that was, but he really wanted that for his car because he made a Back to the Future car. And I got it because I pre-bought it. I actually right. purchased the rights to that number, that 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 sequence of letters, um, ahead of time. And then for knowing that I was eventually going to have the car and I might as well get it because if I don't, someone else. I don't know how that lasted that right. long. And I, I was able to get it. Yeah. So then that's that's it. <laughs> so um, that, That's awesome. Yeah, so I had that plate. Even though I wasn't making a Back to the Future car, I wanted that plate. I wanted some piece of yeah. the movie involved in it. Yeah. And I think I think I had mentioned it at the very beginning, but your VIN was 0855. So 855, crazy low VIN number. Yep. One of the you know, first three, 400 cars off the line. Yeah. You said you'd put in eventually more than double what you paid for it, which yeah. is not totally unheard of, but... The fact that you said there were no door that the, the door guides were out in the car because they're very few. Only the very very early cars didn't have door guides, and no, most of them when they it. came over to the U.S. they went to the QAC and the QAC put them on. 
Um, so maybe somebody took them off. This car had uh, one owner before no. the guy I bought it from, I believe, and uh, he was in New Mexico, and it had New Mexico plates on it. The, the new owner in Idaho had never registered or anything. He just had it. <laughs> so um, he never did anything to it, to be honest with you. So, you know, he just, when wow. I went to get it, he made it, he tried to make it as roadworthy, as I said, you know, out of respect for me yeah. and knowing I, he didn't want me getting stuck on the road. So, right, yeah, right. so that, 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 it wasn't there. As that's, my memory is, you know, pretty clear on that. They weren't there. Um, but what Danny did is I ultimately just got it up and running so I could have the car. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and then I drove it up for a while and I said, well, you want to do this. I want to do this, obviously, you know, and this and that, you know, stage two engine, uh, it was an automatic. So I, I, a stall speed converter, uh, he put in it, I think is what he called it. And that helped a little bit of a off the line because the stage two wasn't very effective with just an automatic. So the stall speed converter mm-hmm. thing, which is something he knew about, I I know enough about cars to be dangerous, but not enough to really get into the details of it. I just knew that it gave me a little bit off the line, more power like so, that. He did well, that, hold, and then I have—I don't think I've ever heard you say it's a little bit slower. It was stall a speed stall speed converter. Wow, I that's never, the term I remember. I mean, you can double check with Danny, but that's the term I remember. Maybe I'm off on it, but that's what I stuck speed in my speed converter. I've only, you know, I've had my car just over three and a half years. I talk to a lot of people. I'm obviously not an expert, but I talk to lots of people, hear lots of things. I have never read or heard that term before. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's gotten a different name in the last several years or, well, if, it, or if nobody uses those anymore. I'll, I'll admit that I could be mistaken on the term, but that's what I remember oh. <laughs> to be called. He, okay. he did the stage two, and then he did that when I told him, look, man, it doesn't quite have the oomph I want. I wanted to stick to the PRV engine. I knew I wanted to stay true to the car, not put in a, you know, yeah. I know, no disrespect. I know Danny's done his own car yeah. with like a Vortec no. 4.3, which I actually had in my first sure, car, sure. my S10 pickup. It was a great engine, great, nice, powerful. All, all the power the people that are putting their, you know, their fancy car engines and their, their Lotus engines and the V8s and that, great, cool. But no, right. I wanted to stay true yeah. to it and as much power as I could. Um, and that's what I did. Yeah. And then, as I recall, after that, I decided, well, you know, we gotta we gotta fix up this interior. The dash was kind of jacked, and you know, I want to make this look nice. And so, I also wanted a kind of a cool idea. So I came up with the idea of getting this pop out video screen that comes out of the you know, the normal dash mount size radio and pops up and comes slides out. Yep. So I found one used, and it and it was the one I wanted, and all the sta- the surround sound system. And then Danny on his own designed this amazing dash that was out of like leather and is custom. And it had a little lift up in the middle that he installed the center channel speaker for the surround sound. He dynamatted the entire interior, ripped it all out, put that hot nice. dynamat um, soundproofing material in there and nice. um, put a subwoofer in the little storage compartment behind. So, you know, that yep. there I had, as far as we know, the very first 5.1 surround sound, DeLorean, <laughs> DeLorean. And, a, and a video screen inside of it. So that's what made it really unique on the inside. I started looking around at getting a, getting one of those, but my big thing was I didn't want to block the the center, you know, air vents because yeah. the, basically yeah. that's where ninety five percent of the air comes out. And I was like, eh, you know, well, I don't really need that. <laughs> Ultimately, I became more of a purist, and I have I left the original ASI radio in there. But no, no, to I each understand. his own. I'm I'm a huge yeah. believer in people. Do whatever you want to the car. It doesn't matter. It's This is not a Fabergé egg. So, yeah, I know there's people get pissed off when people do time machine conversions, but so what? It, there's not six of them in the world. 
Uh, yeah. So it's okay. Make changes. No, no, no. I, I agree. I was one. I rode the middle kind of. I was like, I wanted to stay true to the form of the car and the general look, but I didn't mind a little bit of change in the interior that was tasteful. So when he did this dash, he basically modified it along the top, not the actual con- control panel in the or the um, oh, okay. surface area. Got it was it. the top. He put this leather top that went up a little higher, which allowed for this. You know, the width of the, the center console uh, where a center channel speaker that goes with this radio system would go. And that was, a, as I, again, as I recall, above the vents. So because if it had been below the vents or he'd moved the vents, then the screen would have blocked the sound. So I, I took right. that I would lose the sound, the air blowing a little. But because he added all that extra insulation for sound, I think it helped to also keep the car cooler. And, it, and overall, yeah. the air went to the sides of the screen when it was kind of had a little space behind it. So sure. It worked effectively enough so that it was fine. Um, and But I know what your concern was. And it actually probably kept the uh, the screen real cold when it was blowing. It did. It made the screen metal really cold. <laughs> well, but, but it was fine. And it was, it's not like when you're driving the car, you've got the, you know, I mean, you could use it for GPS and other things, but you're probably not watching videos while you're driving. So. No, it actually had a feature that you could turn that off. Like you could have it so it was safe and like, you know, it actually was defaulted to that. Yeah. But you could take that off if you wanted to what i would generally do uh with it when i was driving is i had to re-listen to the audio that we recorded for the show sometimes to check for stuff and since i had a long (laughs) commute i would just do that off of a disc and um and i would have not the video on and just listen through it would be a a video disc but it would be without me looking so i wouldn't be distracted right so i could hear the quality of the audio audio. so it it acted as a sound a little sound studio for me when i was driving and you know and i was pretty awesome yeah, and it ended up being used, <laughs> used my car for sound effects for the show. We re- went out and recorded in the desert, which a lot of sound people do. Uh, we went, I went out with a sound supervisor and recorded all these uh, sound effects for, from my car, driving by, doors moving, all this stuff. So my actual car <laughs> is the car in the show, sound-wise, uh, which wow. is cool. And, um, That's you know, awesome. They created. They couldn't buy the music, uh, although Seth MacFarlane is really good friends and colleague with uh, Alan Silvestri. He he loves his music. He couldn't actually get the rights because I think that was owned by Universal and it was probably too expensive. So they created music yeah. that was inspired by it, the movie yep. soundtrack. And that episode was, was just enough. funny. It was funny stuff. <laughs> oh, it was very funny. Yeah. So it, and if people haven't seen it, I it's on Hulu, Hulu, and I think Netflix wherever they have American Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Season four, episode sixteen, called DeLorean Story N. Story dash A N. Yeah, so that, definitely go watch that if if you haven't already seen it. Yeah, that was that was. I mean, it was it was an adventure. There's so many stories to tell from that that thing. I don't. I know we can't go on forever here, but I. It's just. It was a. It was a real amazing experience. Probably the highlight of my career. Just that I got to do sound and be a voice actor in it. Be and, in a freaking. You were freaking in the show. I mean, so you weren't yeah. a walk-on actor in a live show. No, most people don't get animated. No. I mean, I got I've been I got listed as an actor for a, you know, 4 seconds of an extra, you know, that I did something on camera. You don't even see my face, but they listed me. So, you know, the fact that you've done that stuff, you've actually been an actor, but being animated, that's pretty cool. It it was. You had the car for a few years. Any uh-huh. other major updates? Other than 5.1 surround inside the DeLorean, that's pretty cool. Any other major updates to the car while you had it? Well, we talked about the Stage 2. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we should talk about the, the car itself. I know we've gone off on tangents uh, related, but I know this is about the car, so I should I should be more on that. Um, yeah, the uh, I mean, Danny put in, took out the 85 speedometer and put in the, I think, a 140. Um, 40, yeah. Um, I don't mind saying this. You you don't have to cut this out. Um, there there may have been an occasion. I'm not going to confirm nor deny that I had it at a neighborhood of 120 on, on a roadway somewhere, <laughs> Good. and thought that was probably as fast as I should push it, uh, even with an, with a yeah, three speed yeah. automatic, especially. I'm not going to say exactly where that was, but let's just say it was a rather remote location. There may have been other DeLoreans <laughs> and a convoy going to some particular hot place that oh. you might know very well. So I'm not going to go any further than that. <laughs> On this your is, again, neither we confirm nor deny. We could say you were headed to uh, – we could say you were headed to DCS. That's No, that's great. Very cool. <laughs> um, 120 in the car. I mean, that's – people always go on and on about, oh, it's underpowered, blah, blah, blah. And I, I have the manual, but I can peg the needle at 85 no problem. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's just getting onto the freeway or trying to pass people. And I'm not a speed demon. I'm not, I'm not out there just – going fast to go fast it's when i'm trying to get around someone or whatever i have no problem with it so i mean 120 that's still you know that's that's a lot more miles an hour than 80 or 85 so yes that's pretty good i would be more concerned about the safety factor you know the freaking 30 plus year old car going that speed you know there's no airbags it's not designed for a major wreck you know you you flip or you you know hit somebody at that speed yeah you're gonna be hurting yeah, it, it was yeah. it was a one time thing on a on a very clear road and I and a very smooth and I felt safe enough. My uh, yeah. oh, my yeah, better yeah. half was with me and she was just like no judging you, know, you, not looking at what we were doing. And I I leaned over after <laughs> I did it. I said, um, "Do you know how fast you're going?" She's like, "No." And it's like hey, you probably don't want to know. <laughs> I told her how fast. She's like, "Oh my god!" And I said, "Yeah." I said, if I was going to do it funny. anywhere, this was the place and time to do it with the other cars, you know, around us. And they were going fast, too. So it, it was that thing. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's fun. And in that, but I never I never wanted to push it in terms of speed like that. I just wanted to be able to accelerate in a, in a, in a good manner. When you're younger, you got to try that stuff. And as you get older, you realize eh, it's not that big of a deal for most people. But that's true. <laughs> that is that is true. So you had the car from 07 to 12. Yes. Right. Any other major break breakdowns during that time? Uh, breakdowns, not that I recall. There was, you know, occasionally small things, but I don't recall anything. I did have, uh, I, I'm not ashamed to admit this, um, I did have a couple accidents with it. And um, Oh, really? Uh, one of them was just me not being careful. Uh, no one was hurt. Sure. The car was damaged in the front, had to replace the fascia and the hood. And that was hard oh. with the rear hood. And the hood. Um, yeah. Dang yeah. it. And then there was one time when I took a corner a little sharp and I clipped the fender on a on a, bar- a barrier on a on an on ramp on a freeway and I was just it was oh. just a mistake of over over relying on my ability overconfidence. to overconfidence. Overconfidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and I admit yep. total mistake. So and Danny, you know, fixed it up. I I handled that out of pocket and it was fine and you know, the it's it is what it is. The other one was obviously an insurance thing, as I had I had hit somebody, so I had to deal with that. But yeah. um, no one was hurt, like I said, so it was fine. And but the final nail in the coffin for the car, which we can get into, was, didn't have it in two thousand after two thousand twelve. But uh, I want to talk a little bit before I do that about the, um, the other experiences I had with it. I I wanted to make it something really positive. So uh, though I didn't get to do a lot of charity work, I did try to do some charity work, and specifically most you know 
almost cliche, but in a good way, I did it for the Michael J. Fox Foundation. And um, I also brought it to, you know, a friend's uh, office to, you know, make him look cool amongst his office mates. And we watched the movie <laughs> right. um, there with his office mates in a screening room they had. And I, I, did, I did a lot of that kind of thing and had it at the show, both in one show in Vegas. And I ended up, after losing the car the same year, going to the show in Orlando, where I showed the episode and um, hung out with people there. Um, but oh, wow. it was it it was a, a great experience for the basically a, a little over four years that I had. It was January 2012, and then I did keep it for almost another year while I ended up finding the right buyer for it. Uh, and I'll tell you all about that if you want to hear it, if you have the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah. in January 2012, I think it was January 6th, a fluke incident again, but it was again me being probably a little overconfident or just not not as careful i thought it was an accelerator stick situation but it probably wasn't in the end um at least that's what it turned out seemed like when they analyzed the car and everything i was pulling out of my garage i had a travel trailer in the driveway and i usually would like curve a little to the left so that i would go around the travel trailer from where the delorean was parked on the left side of the garage facing out okay i had the door open and I was just watching so I didn't hit the hitch of the travel trailer, which I always did, you know, was careful of. Somehow the accelerator went down and it didn't come up and I was curved at an angle. So I basically veered from the left side of my garage, left side of my property, across by the the, the, uh, travel trailer, the edge of the open door, caught the the front end of the travel trailer, just made a hole in that. It didn't really do a lot of damage to that. It damaged the door pretty badly. Yeah. Then I but, basically, oh I veered across my front yard. I managed to avoid hitting a tree, and I managed to avoid going into a, a car on the side that was parked on the street. But I basically yeah. went into the back of a pickup truck, someone else's pickup truck, that was parked on the street oh. and damaged the front oh. end. And in the process, uh, it was pretty messed up. And um, I was not quick enough to, like, turn the ignition off or whatever that I should have done uh, at the time because it happened sure. in split seconds. Well, it happens in a couple of seconds, yeah. And I'm pretty sure now in retrospect that my foot was caught on the accelerator between behind the pedal because I was kind of, like, leaning a little bit out to look at the door when my foot, you know, when, while I was yeah. using forward. I was very careful, but it was just enough to catch it. And it was, you know, what do you call that? A perfect storm. That is so heartbreaking. Well, I mean, for you, same thing. You, you wanted the car for a long time. You had these other uh, crazy, amazing experiences, and then pulling out of the garage, you end up clipping the trailer, torquing the door, and then running yes. into a truck. Yes, and it was, that was all bad. Oh. And I was heartbroken. My neighbors ran over, and like they were, they saw it, and they were checking on me. Um, um, you know, it was it was heartbreaking, and I was basically yeah. in shock. And my yeah, my. my uh, my my better half ran out of the house and she's like oh my god oh my god you know anyways uh, long story short we took it to danny he did his thing for a while you know took him quite a while estimated up the repairs the repairs came out to be thirty two thousand plus the insurance company took one look at that and said "Uh, very funny no yeah Uh, totaled twenty eight thousand is what they offered me then i took one look at that and said very funny no and i fought them and i fought them and i fought them and then I fought them some more, and then I hired someone to fight them a little more, uh, where he charged me a fee. It's was something expertise he had. He said, "I will charge you this fee, but you'll only pay it if I at least double what you get you." So he added on a little bit more to the total. So in the bo- bottom line, sure. at the very end of the story, they gave me back everything I had put into it, 
which was almost, almost, not quite, double what they originally offered me. <laughs> so now you're getting a number of where I was in the car. They offered me 28000 and I almost doubled that. They had to uh-huh. pay back to me that much more than they would have if they just fixed it, which was only 4000 right, right, more exactly. than they offered me. And, and they didn't have to salvage it. But you know how it works with cars? As soon as you get a, a, a total, that's... Salvage title. That, that's, no, but yeah. as soon as they say it, it's, it's, that's the gospel. You, you, don't, you don't go yeah, yeah. back from a, a salvage they title once they declare. They don't change their minds. Generally speaking, that's, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how it is. And so that happened. And Who did you have for insurance? What, who did I'd you rather have for not say. During this time? Okay, no, that's say. fine. Um, what, but it, was it a classic car insurance or was it a normal car insurance company? No, it was normal car, but they did acknowledge okay. that it was a collector level. And Danny basically, yeah. I had every receipt. And Danny could back up everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I was able to fight them. And, yeah. and I was able to max it out. But then, think about it. The damage was on the door and the front. And it actually didn't look that bad. It was, could be fixed. It just was a lot to fix it. But the back end was fine. And the engine that I had in there with very little you know, mileage on it was fine. <laughs> so right, um, right. I decided... Well, this wasn't a... You weren't doing 65 miles an hour and no. you know, creamed somebody. This was no. a driveway accident that yep. well anytime anything happens with this car you can get you can't just bondo it over and repaint it you know and you tweak the doors and who knows hopefully you know you didn't i don't know did, did you break the hinges or did it just tweak the door the door was tweaked i mean it would have taken i don't remember exactly what all the details were what was damaged at that point i didn't really deal with it you know once that had happened so yeah. i didn't look into what what i just knew it was a lot and it was going to cost a lot but mind you i just want to say this in retrospect i've driven basically like half a million miles or probably in my life on cars I've, i drove a lot i had a lot of commuting to school a lot of commuting to work over my life in all my cars probably i think I've, i think it added up once and it was like half a million miles or something obscene like that right wow. So uh, it's not that I'm a bad driver. I had, I, you know, everyone's had their accidents and tickets and everything, but I yeah. was not a bad driver. This this car, I guess, because I was used to more modern cars and I didn't didn't yeah. uh, always compensate equally, and I had another car that was yep. a lot safer. I didn't. That's probably where my problems came in, and I I was a little too reliant on the technology of modern cars. I think. Um, sure. for this but that being said that's that's the way it happened and what what the beauty of it was in the end this is the the silver lining i always take get lemons in life when i get lemons i, I do everything i can to make lemonade and that's what i did <laughs> right. here I, I i i got the most out of it first of all then they said well i said well how much to buy back the salvage they're like three thousand i'm like uh yeah okay oh my gosh. i handed them the three thousand dollars knowing the engine alone was four or five thousand so, yeah, exactly. So I got that three thousand. Then I started deciding how I was going to deal with it, and ultimately sold it back through eBay. And the really positive story came out of that. That was the real great thing. This gentleman in Ireland wanted it. Actually, no, I take that oh, back. Wow. That, that would be that would be too appropriate. It wasn't Ireland. It was Great Britain. It was. I think he was. He was in. He was in England proper. Uh, but he, so they don't he have wa- the same issues with salvage titles we do, presumably. I don't know anything about that. I just know this guy's story, and that's what I wanted to tell you, is that he he had yeah. lost his wife, and and he was trying to find a project, he liked cars, that would be something he could fill his time with so he's not just grieving constantly, you know? And he kind of wanted to rebuild this, you know, if not directly in her honor, at least as something, as you know, that was positive out of that. And I, it really struck me. It didn't seem like a BS story. It seemed like he was legit, and he was happy to pay the price. 
I had actually done one other thing to the car in between that was unique. Um, Danny didn't like it, but I did it with uh, separate from him. There was a company called HH2 that made these hydrogen hybrid um, systems where it infused hydrogen into the engine huh. and claimed to run the car Give cleaner. You more power. And theoretically yeah. give you more power and better efficiency, but with the direct injection, Danny explained it wouldn't do that, and I knew that. But I wanted something unique, and I did it, and it didn't have any problems. It never caused an issue with the car, even though Danny saw it once and didn't like it. <laughs> but yeah, he, yeah. But it was it didn't cause any problem. No offense to Danny. I mean, he's he's perfectly right in saying that. Yeah. And I, yeah. And, but I, I had that done, and then this guy had knew that it was in the advertisement on the eBay, and he wanted it. So he actually paid me an additional. I wasn't going to include it. I was going to keep it for another car, the system, and just remove it because yeah. it was pretty easy to remove. And he, he said, no, I want it. I'll give you $1,000 for it. So um, wow. I had actually actually made money off that because even though i paid more than that i had gotten the um the, the federal tax credit for that uh because they actually had an alternative fuel tax credit that year that worked oh, for that system wow. so i actually wow. made a, I got like 400 bucks off that system um uh, when i sold it and he was happy to pay it and it was fine so he paid i think ultimately like 12 grand for the car i think i sold it for 11 uh just as is and then another thousand for that system and um you know he would have had to pay more than that for the system if he had bought it and so and it hadn't been in there that long when you sold the car, had things been repaired at that point? You bought the salvage title. Nope. No, as is. Nothing had been repaired. It Nothing. Was, okay, so the door basically you had to like tie down or something to keep it closed. I'm assuming I, it wouldn't it wouldn't lock. I think it did ultimately was able to be closed because I wanted it to be water, you know, resistant. I kept it oh, inside, wow. but just just okay. I think we were I think we were able to close. Yeah, I think we were able to close. I didn't tie it down, and okay. the guy got everything with it. He got the new surround sound system. He got everything in there, but I'd already yeah. gotten. Most of my money back, not 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 quite double oh, from yeah. the insurance directly, but buying it back and then getting the twelve thousand, it ultimately was about double. So like you know, yeah. so minus the three thousand. So it was like for the salvage, uh, you know, car. But that was what it ultimately did, and what that allowed me to do was pay off all the debt I still had on the car. It paid off my other regular car that I drove regularly um, loan. It helped pay back uh, um, some money I had lent my mom. Um, when uh, her, her cat got very sick and she had to spend thousands of dollars trying to save the cat. And I had, um, I had all this, the, all the things. So basically in the end, I had no more debt except my mortgage, which I was very wow. happy as a result of this. And yeah. it couldn't have been at a better time because unfortunately a few months later, uh, around April of that, yeah, I think it was April of 2012. So, you know, from January to April, I lost my job. I was laid off. They canceled one of the three shows we were working on, which was the Cleveland show. It was American Dad, Family Guy, and Cleveland show, and the jobs got consolidated. And I had my seven-year job uh, lost, and I didn't have that. Seven years job. doing that, and you still got let go. Wow. It's well, you know it's office business. politics, you know, and that kind yep. of thing. I, I mean, it just is yep. what it is, and um, it changed my life in a totally different way and that's the story for another time but i i in a good way and um i though i never got to do some of the things i would have liked to done with the car i didn't it didn't sting as long as you might think it would have it stung but then as the car got sold later after i lost um wait, what did it? yeah it, i got the initial money which paid off all that debt and then the, the car was like icing on the cake when it sold to the other guy about a year like January yeah, 2013, yeah. and he paid the thousands of dollars to have a shipping company come take it. He gave me the right. money sight unseen without any proof other than the eBay auction that he was going to get the sure. car from me, and he trusted yeah. me, and I, I got it all right. Idaho to L.A. is 
nothing compared to L.A. to, to Great Britain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I haven't heard from him since, but he did say to me, if I ever wanted to communicate with him again, I have his contact, that if I ever was over there, uh, he was going to have it restored and I could I could come drive it there. And I, I thought that was really oh, cool nice. of him to do. So maybe someday if I ever get, I've never been to England, if I ever get a chance to go there, I'll try to look him up and see if that's an option. I, I'm just glad that somebody could make something positive out of it. So yeah, that's, exactly. That's and you know what? This is a good opportunity. You after the after this episode comes out, you can go send him an email and say, hey, maybe you'll do an episode and talk about the same car after you've restored it. That'd be great I, to get him on the show. I should look him up on on, on again and do that. I, I I just I it's my own fault for not having done that. I should contact him and, and just in general and see life. if he's if he's uh, if he's interested. But that would be a cool follow up to this for sure. Um, and I, I yeah, that would be really cool. If I can, really if cool. I, I still have his contact and can find him, I, I will do that. Yeah, it cool. was cool. I mean, I, this, it's such a positive thing to have had that car that none of the bad stuff sticks in my mind. Same thing. I, I don't remember anything bad. It's been a short time for me, but and, and I don't have any intention of getting rid of the car. But yeah, I think that there's so many great memories. People love the car so much. Everybody just you know knows the car, and if they don't love it, at least they appreciate it yes. for most people. So yeah, I I can totally see that. Another a friend uh, in Salt Lake City, his you know he got hit by an ambulance oh and totally destroyed his car. Was I, he okay? It was a terrible story. He, well, ultimately, I mean, you should he uh, Jay Shetland. He's one of the past episodes. You should listen to that episode. Okay. And so he hasn't had his car for several years now, but we talk regularly, and he's he's like, oh, I found another car. I want to get. I want to get. So he still wants to have a DeLorean in his life. Not that everybody has to. There's no, again, no judgment on you. You had an amazing experience, better than probably anybody else will ever have. Four uh, years even of fun. Even people that yeah. have time machines. Yeah, no, Yeah, totally. four years of fun with that car. And That's all my money pretty, back, so basically, except for gas and insurance. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's crazy. Um, so, wow. yeah, I mean. What a story, I would love man. to have another one. Yeah, no, it's it's it was awesome, and I and I and I I appreciate you letting me have the chance to discuss it because you know it, it it's something that was very personal and life altering for me in a good way, and it's something that I will always cherish. And that and and would I have another one? I've said yes, but only if I had the kind of money where it's just an afterthought, which actually connects yeah. me to another story. Uh, another DeLorean owner, a friend of mine, needed to sell his time machine. But Seth MacFarlane was a major fan of, of, the, of the movies and of the car. And he, he signed an autograph for me once that uh, I still have. In fact, um, I'm looking at it right now in my office. And he said, um, I want to drive your GD car. <laughs> and his sister <laughs> warned me, don't let him drive your car. <laughs> he, he, he wanted to buy it. And I told him one day, just randomly, I said, hey, you know, my buddy's selling one. I don't know, just if you have any interest. And he's like, yeah, I do have an interest. And I'm like, oh, okay, <sighs> well, let me put you in touch. <laughs> And I was wow. the day, there the day he came to see it at my friend's place, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I'm buying this." And that was oh. that. And, I mean, obviously, he joked. He says my financial advisor or whatever is going to hate me for this, but he wanted it, so uh, he got it. McFarland has done pretty well, so for him, it is an afterthought because even the nicest time machine. I mean, Danny, I think his, you know, I think his went for sixty-eight or something just a couple of years ago. And his is one of the most perfect time machines out there. So yeah. it's not like they're $200,000 car. Um, yeah. yeah. So for somebody like McFarlane, who's had so many great shows for so many years and movies, yeah, afterthought for him. And remember so when that I said is I, amazing. Yeah, remember when I said I damaged the front end of my car? 
Yeah. Um, I, I believe that was the time. I don't know if it was the hood or the front end. It might have been. It was a lot, though. Whatever it was, it cost a lot to repair. And the guy, again, I don't really feel comfortable saying his name without his permission. I, uh, he, he felt so thankful to me for having brought him. I wanted nothing. I just wanted the satisfaction that he was taken care of yeah. financially and that, you know, Seth got it. So he, he actually took care of that bill for my car repair because it hadn't it was at the same oh time. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so he was yeah, really cool to do that. Well, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. One of McFarland's movies is A Million Ways to Die in the West, which, honest to goodness, I have rewatched that a hundred times. I, I just love that movie. It's so funny. Um, and the answer is and yes. there's a scene. The answer is yes. It was his. It was used in the movie. Yeah. That Sorry, will, I didn't mean well, to interrupt you, but yes, the answer is yes. No, that's exactly it. Well, it's for everybody else who's listening who hasn't, if they haven't watched the movie. And it's his that humor is not for everybody, but if you do watch it, there is a very funny scene where Seth MacFarlane's character sees some buzzing and lights happening in a, in a barn, and it's set in, you know, 1880s. Yeah. And he walks over, opens the door, and they got Christopher Lloyd to do a, you know, a 12-second cameo being surprised. And, he, you know, there's a time machine sitting there. Totally unrelated to the entire rest of the movie, uh, but for DeLorean and Back to the Future nerds, uh, it's a great little homage. So uh, yes. that's pretty awesome. So they used McFarland's time machine in that, the one that you connected him with to go to go buy. I joked that's about crazy, it that it man. wasn't the right one for the 1800s, though, and that, just because I was being a total <laughs> nerd geek on that one, and I said, yeah, but yeah. you know, I wasn't around for that production at that point. Uh, I knew he was doing it and everything, but I wasn't around... Um, to talk to him about it because it just wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. McFarland has done so much between all of his shows. There's so many. I, I honestly believe that he is trying to reshoot, reanimate all of Back to the Future with his own characters. Yeah. Because he's done so many freaking scenes. It's hysterical. Yes, he so, has. So, yeah, I'm and... sure he knew it was the wrong time machine, but it didn't matter. It was a funny joke. No, it was it was fun. It was, definitely was cool. And, um um, Seth got something that he, he truly loved and, and he probably still has it. I don't know, but, um, you know, he wanted to do other things to it. I know he wanted to have power steering and I think Danny and Don talked him out of that. And I had referred him to them. And Oh dude, presumably you still talk to him sincerely. Tell him Gordon Carpenter in San Diego, uh, had it installed what, a year ago, year and a half ago. That car, I drove it. It is that power steering is friggin' amazing. Oh really? Anybody that. Well, maybe he ultimately got it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, but I mean, you know, if nothing else, it's a good networking opportunity to say, hey, I just talked to some DeLorean guys and they said they've got a, there's a good system out now. I, personally, I think that it's about four grand, I think, uh, all in, which is, uh, you know, on your way to a stage two. Does DeLorean officially use it? Yeah, yeah. No, okay. they're installing it for right. for the company that's, that made it. Um, if you go take a look uh, at DeLoreanDirectory.com, and just do a search for power steering. Gordon wrote an article. Article. There's pictures and video and information. And uh, sincerely, it, it was amazing. You, I have video of Gordon doing a three-point turn in the DeLorean with one finger, literally. Oh wow! Turning the wheel from. We're not. You know, you if you're driving, if you're moving at you know five miles an hour, ten miles an hour, yeah, you can move the steering wheel easily. But when you're at a dead stop to be able to turn the wheel with one finger, it's impossible in a normal DeLorean. So. And I remember that well. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad that they finally got that. I'll I'll see if I can mention yeah. it. It's not uh, a bad idea that they were able to get it to work. Like that's good to hear. Thank you for, for oh, yeah. telling me. Um, and but, for anybody yeah. out there that wants to do it, sincerely, it is it's really amazing. Reach out to Gordon Carpenter in San Diego, 
if you really want to have, ask more questions. But check out the article on DeLoreanDirectory.com. That's cool. That's all, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, it's not that I don't want to talk to people that don't own their DeLoreans, but you're in that you know special scenario, special case where you've got a pretty amazing story. And and how cool that it all wrapped up the way it did, it did and then the other little fun stuff. Really fun to talk to you and get these stories. And this weekend, or no, excuse me, next weekend, thanks to you posting that, I have to give you credit, so thank you very much. Uh, that event that I guess you had part in planning uh, for the uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3 screening um, at the Mission Tiki Drive-In. Yeah, are you going to go to that? Yes, and I think I mentioned to you that I had originally conceived of the idea uh, when I had my birthday at that same drive-in many years ago, and we got about six local DeLoreans to come out and hang out, and I had my car there, and um, uh, that was an amazing day in of itself but, uh, uh, leading up to that event, and then I thought of having the Back to the Future there, but unfortunately, because of the cost of film prints at the time, now it's digital, it, may, it didn't make sense to do it then. So it, now yeah. that it's finally being done, I'm so thankful, and I'm super excited to actually go see the drive-in theater scene in Back to the Future, which I've been to that filming location uh, in Monument Valley, and to actually see it in the the movie uh, in a a drive-in theater, which is one of my favorite (laughs) drive-ins I've gone to a bunch of times. There's not too many left, but I've been to a lot of them, and that one is one of the local ones here. So I'm very excited, and uh, thank you uh, for any part that you had in getting that going and letting me know about it. I wouldn't have known about it otherwise. Well, that was all... Justin Trebu, Orange County DeLorean Club, he had the idea, he wanted to do it, and I, I said, I'll help however I can, but that was all him. And awesome. Yeah, it, it, I'll, I'll I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, for anybody that is in Southern California, or if you know anybody, if you're not in the area but you know people, spread the word, go to ocdeloreans.com and look, find the event, or look them up on Facebook, Orange County DeLorean Club, and... Uh, go check it out. It's a, the, There's nothing special about it other than they're showing Back to the Future Part 2 and 3, double feature. Yep. And, you know, it's 10 bucks. I think it's 10 bucks a person to get in, something like that. It's just a normal yeah. normal ticket price for both movies. and Normal drive-in fun, ticket price. <laughs> normal drive-in tickets, yeah. Which is and, cheap. Yeah, you know, a bunch of DeLoreans there that, that should make for some pretty cool photo opportunity. And, and Orange County DeLorean Club people are all fun and friendly and outgoing, so... That'd and a friend awesome. of mine who has a, a time machine is going to be there. Um, he, I told him, I said, it's my dream to sit in the car. I actually did a little mini drive-in theater in my driveway, and he brought his car there, and I sat and watched part of Back to the Future 1 on my, in nice. my driveway on a screen and a projector and through his car. I had the radio playing the sound, transmitted to the radio. Uh, <laughs> but I want to actually be at a real drive-in watching that movie, Part 3 specifically, yeah. through the windshield of... A time machine so i'm very excited about it. that's about as geeky as it could possibly get and i'm not ashamed to admit that but i'm i'm very ex- he said you can sit in the passenger seat he told me i said awesome so i'm, I'm excited <laughs> i feel like i should be more involved in the community even though i don't have the car still i i feel like you know you know like john parsons is a good guy and and he I know he's he really dreams of having it. he's a young guy so he'll have one too but right yeah. now he doesn't and but he's so knowledgeable and passionate about it. So I, I feel like I should be more involved in it, even though I'm not. But I don't have any regrets. Like everything that happened happened for a reason and it's all good and I'm thankful and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get too uh, too down about it. It's, it's it, you know, it had a rebirth yeah, yeah. And, and everything. So it's it's all good. And I'm, I'm thankful that you let me just share that because it really was a cool thing. And I hope other people appreciate 
the story. Maybe it'll inspire some people. And if not, then at least I got to say what I had to say. And you, you enjoyed a few <laughs>, laughs. So, <laughs> Sean, I sincerely thanks. Very fun. Awesome to get the story right from the horse's mouth because – Sometimes you you know we all hear stories and when that episode came out a bunch of people are oh they, it was a guy on the show and blah 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 and then you hear you read little blurbs but to hear it right from you uh, that's that's pretty cool so yep. thank you so much for for coming on the show and sharing all your uh, sharing all your stories thank you all right well to everybody out there please keep writing in contact at DeLoreanTalk.com. Be sure, if you haven't done it yet, to go fill out a DeLorean census form, uh, deloreandirectory.com slash census. Fill out as much or as little information as you're willing. There's a lot of people have been filling out the census lately, and it's growing and growing. Lots of great detail. I think it's really going to be helpful for the community in the coming years to track down all the cars and really know what the condition is and what the details are. Check out DeLorean Directory on Facebook and spread the word. Make sure that the clubs know about it. And anybody back east, the, any of the club leaders, I'd love to get you on the show to talk about your club and what you guys are doing to inspire other clubs to do more. Because I think the magic of the car really is sharing it with other people. And if there's other people around, you're much more likely to take care of the car. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Drive safe, and we'll see you in the future. I can't believe I just said that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs>